The Holy Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. Glory to you, O Lord. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it's such to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, through our risen and living Lord, Jesus. Amen. I went to church with my grandparents when I was little. I remember the sanctuary with the built-in pews and the organ and the large choir. They had a room where there were more pews, and they could open that room or close it if they wanted to on overflow days, Christmas and Easter, I'm sure. And in the center of the aisle was this great big baptismal font with a great brass lid that looked as tall as a mountain to me as a boy. I mean, the thing was easily five feet off the floor, but it seemed so gigantic. There next to it, hanging engraved on metal plaques, were the names of all the baptized members of the church. And I was there too, and I would go and look for my name every week. My brother and I sat in worship, drawing on a notepad or rummaging through my grandmother's purse for lifesavers. And after the hymn of the day and the prayers and the people would come and kneel all around the altar on all sides where the pastor and the assisting minister would distribute Holy Communion. And when they reached the children, they'd place a hand on our heads and give a blessing. There with my family by my side, I remember hearing the promises of Jesus' love for me. And then later in life, as Ivy and I brought our kids, our own little ones, forward during communion, I still remember the smiling face of Pastor Stan Jurgens, who would always welcome them with Jesus' own words, Suffer not the children of the world, but bid them come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. That's the King James, for you that don't read that version. But as a child, that experience was so comforting for me. Even if I didn't understand everything we were doing or saying or what it meant that Jesus gave these deep and lasting promises to his friends and spoke about giving his body and blood. But I can still just picture being there in that room and the light beaming through the stained glass, the gold decorating the wall behind the table, the words of Galatians hanging over the chancel, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. I was welcomed there. I was taught there, and I met Jesus there. Can you remember? Where did you meet Jesus? Where did you first hear that story of God coming to be with us? And who were the ones who shared God's love with you in your life? Just picture them in your mind now. Through all those teachers and parents and pastors and grandparents and friends, God was speaking to you. God spoke directly to Abraham, to Noah, to Moses, through Aaron, through silence, even a donkey, through prophets like Jonah and Jeremiah and Micah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and others. And God is still speaking. 
Like so many before us, though, we sometimes fail to listen. We can get discouraged. We can shut our ears and our hearts. And at times, maybe we just struggle to focus on anything but our own feelings, the pain we see in the world, or the hatred and division in our communities. Or we distract ourselves by any means necessary in order to survive, and we can't see Jesus. But here in this place, we get to meet him every week. Jesus is here, in and among us. Where the word is read in scripture, the word proclaimed by pastors, the promises reinforced through our singing, and the word in bread and wine is given and taken into each one of us, into our bodies. Jesus is here. And Jesus is greater than all of our worries and works and fears and failings. Jesus is here for us. So this week we begin to open the book of Hebrews. And the author, it's not Paul, probably, was likely writing to an actual community in the early church. They were people who were Jewish by birth and by tradition. They knew the books of the Torah. They knew the Psalms and the word given through the prophets. They knew all about Jesus, and at first they were excited and faithful. They had started on such a high point. Jesus had died and risen, and yes, they expected him to be coming soon. But the clock was ticking, and they still didn't see him, and things were getting difficult. Some had abandoned their church and their faith along with it. They need to be reminded, refreshed, renewed in their faith. And this author is writing to uplift people along the way, to bring help and hope to those struggling, to see how God would still be present with them in the time to come. Maybe you can relate. When you look around at the world, the things happening in our own nation, not just in politics, but a, a widening income gap, exploitation of the powerless, suffering of our neighbors, Children abused and neglected, the state of health care, climate change, racism, violence, addiction. It's crazy, right? And it's not hard to become despondent or overwhelmed or to wonder, where is God in all of this? I thought we were going to see him. I thought we were getting better. I thought the arc of progress was slow but steady. We ask that question, and people are in pain. They need to be comforted. People are sick and need to find healing. People are grieving and anxious and afraid and need to be held and uplifted and loved. Yeah, maybe we thought things would be better by now. Certainly, suffering is not new. If you lived through the Depression, World War II, the Jim Crow South, gas rationing, stock market crashes. You've seen pain before. You've seen suffering. You've seen death. At times, you might have been discouraged. You might have even been angry enough to do something like protest a war, fight racism, provide help for a neighbor in need. That's righteous anger that moves us to action. And relatively, I guess I would say, yeah, yeah, maybe the world is better off than it was 100 years ago in many ways. Human beings have prevented diseases, extended lifespans, 
increased acceptance for people of different races, provided ways out of poverty and hunger in many places. We haven't solved all the problems of the world. Yet in our recent past, followers of Jesus have helped end slavery as an industry, worked to bring awareness to the tragedies done to Native Americans, cared for patients suffering with HIV and AIDS. So as we look ahead, we think we have to remember where we've been. For someone who's battled depression, it can be helpful to remember when they had felt that way in the past, and then to recall how things got better. For communities to recall the way people struggled in the past can become a source of strength and inspiration for the future. And for each of us as followers of Jesus, I think we have to remember how we first heard of the love of Jesus and what it meant to us and how to share it with others. The first verses in this proclamation of the gospel that is the book of Hebrews proclaim the glory of God. The Father passed on to the Son, who's on the throne, who is the one through whom God created the worlds, plural. Yes, the whole cosmos, who is the exact imprint of God. And that, that word, that imagery, comes from uh, a signet ring. You can think of a, a ruler with a ring who stamps his letter, making it law. That is Jesus, the exact imprint of God. Jesus, who has saved us from sin, who is above even the angels, who is still sustaining all things. I had a professor in seminary who said, well, I know that God sustains us all, and if God were to cease from sustaining us, we would then cease to exist. Jesus is greater than our worries, greater than our failings, greater than our greatest accomplishments, greater than our egos, greater than what we do, greater than evil, and greater than death itself. And if Jesus is greater, then in what else could we ever place our trust? The author writes to share the good news that Jesus is greater, greater than any other god, any other empire, or any power that would persecute God's people. And these people were being persecuted. They were surrounded by a different culture. People who worshipped other gods or even worshipped the empire. Leaders who made themselves into gods. And in the midst of this suffering, they could read this word, reminding them to hold fast, keep the faith, trust in God, and keep working to care for one another. Keep serving, keep showing hospitality, keep worshiping, keep believing that in Jesus, God had brought new life for everyone. God has spoken to us through the Son. If you want to know what God is saying, look to Jesus. Jesus is the living word of God. This word that goes to the margins of communities heals people, welcomes them back into relationships, speaks out against oppression and corruption, feeds people without expectation, prays for his own enemies, uplifts those who have little to offer, and ultimately dies on the cross. This word is truth and life for all. This word is resurrected from death, to live again. This word is ascended into heaven to sit with the Father. 
Jesus is God, the exact image and imprint. What the Father has, the Son has too. So that when Jesus is raised from the dead, he's higher than angels. He's with the Father in heaven. He continues to feed and heal and welcome us who are all his children. So we are not discouraged. We are not weighed down by the pain that surrounds us because we know Jesus is greater. And we're able to welcome others into the kingdom without fear. We're able to cross borders and boundaries for the sake of God's word of glory. Jesus is greater. And we're not afraid to try new things, to engage in this life together, to get a little messy in the process. We have been freed to go and serve because Jesus is greater. Jesus is alive. Say amen. There you go. The Spirit is still with us here in the heart of the city, too. God is still at work in us, and that means that we have hope. We have a purpose. We have a sacred calling to go and be the church, the living word with us as we go out and do it. We will continue to build relationships with our neighbors, to listen and hear the issues they are facing in partnership with NCG, to feed hungry people with LSSN and our senior meal program, to worship and sing and play music and teach children and grow this church together. And we'll reach out to new partners like the center and the Las Vegas Rescue Mission, and more. And we'll send kids to camp and Leadership Lab and VBS. We will share our stories and the story of God's grace in Jesus and build on the legacy of Reformation Lutheran Church for decades to come. In sending the Son, God came to be with us. God entered into space and time to real places, to a specific culture, and came to live and work and walk with us in the good creation. To walk with the people and many animals too, if you remember Pastor Matt's sermon from last week. God chose to be with us. God chose to need us to save us through the sun. So that no matter what we face, and the struggles will be great at times, we can know that Jesus is even greater. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.